friends. Billy Dean Shumate the Third, your host here, and welcome back to another episode of the Strange Places Podcast. This podcast is brought to you by Anchor and DistroKid. I want to thank everybody for listening. Again, I know I say that at the beginning of every episode, but when I say that the numbers for Strange Places is absolutely slaying the No Disclosure Podcast, boy, I mean it. <laughs> it is, man. Pretty amazing. You guys just keep coming back for more. You just keep coming back. Which gives me a sense of duty, I think. I want to deliver you the best podcast of this ilk I can, you know, possibly create. I want to differentiate myself between all the other paranormal podcasts out there. And it's not just about the audio quality. It's not just about the gear. It's not just about the fact that, you know, I'm a, I've been a studio engineer for a long time. I know how to record voiceover, you know. Make it sound good. It's something else. We've got to have that X factor, you know. And as long as you guys are listening, I'm going to try to chase that. I don't know what it is, but I'm going to try. <laughs> so thank you for listening to the show every week. I appreciate it. And so with this episode here, we're not going to travel to any place in particular today. We're going to travel everywhere. <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere there's a flashlight, a black light, a voice recorder, huh? And uh, wh what other things do these ghost hunters use? Cameras, microphones, <laughs> little flashlight straps to your head, right? They're starting to use drones now. Uh, what, EMF meters, stuff like that? Anywhere that there's that. Because within ghost hunting, and even parapsychology... The electronic voice phenomenon, or EVP, are sounds found on electronic recordings that are interpreted as spirit voices. Parapsychologists popular, uh, popularized the idea way back in the 70s, believe it or not. They described EVP as typically very brief, usually the length of a word or a short phrase if you're lucky. Enthusiasts Consider EVP to be a form of paranormal phenomenon often found in recordings with static or other background noise. Scientists regard EVP as a form of auditory pareidolia. Kind of like, you know, when you look at clouds and you don't see clouds, you see elephants, vending machines, and Super Mario. You know, same deal. And a pseudoscience, you know, promulgated by popular culture. Prosaic, I'll say prosaic explanations for EVP include, um, you know, perceiving patterns and random information, where you see these YouTube videos that have these electronic uh, radio scramblers, you know, equipment artifacts and straight-up hoaxes. As the, and this, this started back, you know, <laughs> before, <laughs> you, before you think, you know, it, it's always, everything that's a thing, right, it has its genesis way before you think it does. And this is one of them. The spiritualist religious movement was prominent, 1840s to 1940s. I mean, it was huge. It was a business. Distinguishing belief that the spirits of the dead can be contacted by mediums. New emerging technologies that people didn't really understand at the time. Photography. Were employed, these things were employed by spiritualists in an effort to demonstrate contact with a spirit world. So popular were such ideas that Thomas Edison was asked in an interview with Scientific American to comment on the possibility of using his inventions to communicate with spirits. And this is a guy that knew the technology. 
He developed it, right? And I think a lot of this, this personal opinion, but it's common fucking sense, that a lot of this was, a lot of this was propagated by businesses kind of banking on the fact that people didn't really understand this technology to begin with. So Thomas Edison said, if the spirits were only capable of subtle influences, a sensitive recording device would provide a better chance of spirit communication than table tipping, Ouija boards, mediums, all that jazz. However, there is no indication that Edison ever designed or constructed a device for that purpose, nor did he say, oh yeah, 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 the phone's going to pick this up, or this is going to pick this up, or this is going to pick this up. He said, eh, I might be a better chance, I guess. In other words, hey, shut up. You know, let's listen to what I have to say here. Something important, you know. <laughs> now, <clears throat> with everything that we discuss before we really get into it, I want to jump into these things that we tackle with no prejudices. I have my opinions when we begin. Yeah, I'm human, but I want to clear as much out of that out of my as, as much of that out of my head as possible. And I want to do. I do my research, but I save like that big last leg of the research until we're sitting here recording. And you know, just to give you more of a natural verdict at the end. And we've done that before, you know, where I've changed my mind right here on the show. <clears throat> so I want to take all preconceived prejudices of EVP out of my head. And we're going to use this last bit of this last kind of bit of research, the, the, the major bit of research I have to do. Right here, yeah, as we're talking. Sound recording became, yeah, as I'm informing as well, but sound recording became widespread. Mediums explored using this technology to demonstrate communication with the dead, as well as spiritualism. It declined in the latter part of the 20th century, as you know. But attempts to use uh, portable recording devices and modern digital technologies to communicate with the spirits, as we know, continued. Now, American photographer Attila von Sleigh, sorry, I cannot, I'm so bad with names. <laughs> I'm, I'm terrible. Sleigh was among the first to try recording what he believed to be voices of the dead as a way to augment his investigations in photographing ghosts. He started his attempts in 1941 using a 78 RPM record, but it wasn't until 1956 after switching to a reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder that he believed he was successful. Hmm, that's strange. So it wouldn't work on vinyl, but it'll work on tape? <clears throat> really weird, and it's something to consider, I think. I didn't know that. Working with Raymond Bayless, Von Sisley conducted several recording sessions with a custom-made apparatus. That bothers me. If EVPs were able to be picked up by recording devices, why'd you have to make a custom make why'd you have to custom make an apparatus? And that bugs me too, because you know, did nobody check out this apparatus before they started using it? If someone went on a ghost hunt with me and they said, Oh, I got this EVP box that I made, I'm like, uh, okay. Do you mind if I uh, you know take a gander? <laughs> Can I do everything but take it apart to make sure that you're not joshing me? You know? But anyway. He reported finding a lot of sounds on the tape that could not be heard on the speaker at the time of recording, some of which were recorded when there was no one there. He believed these sounds to be the voices of discarnate spirits. Among the first recordings to believe to be spirit voices were messages such as, This is G, Hot Dog Art, 
hot do- oh comma hot dog art okay i was gonna say hot dog art what the hell is hot dog art and merry christmas and happy new year to you all Von Sisley and Raymond Bayless's work was published by the Journal of the American Society for Psychical Research in 1959. Bayless later went on, uh, <clears throat> he later went on to co-author the 1979 book, Phone Calls from the Dead. In 1959, a Swedish painter and film producer, not even going to try, you know, that one might be easier actually, Friedrich Jurgensen, yeah, go me, was recording bird songs. Upon playing the tape later, he heard what he interpreted to be his dead father's voice and then the spirit of his deceased wife calling his name. He went on to make several more recordings, including one that he said contained a message from his late mother. Now, there's a person in Konstantin Radev, Latvian psychologist who taught at the uh, Uppsala University, Sweden, and who had worked in conjunction with Jurgensen, he made over 100,000 recordings in which he described being communications with the dead. Some of these recordings were conducted in an RF-screened laboratory and contained words Rudolf said were identifiable. In an attempt to confirm the contents of his collection of recordings, he invited listeners to hear and interpret them themselves, which is cool. I'm glad he did that. That lends some validity to this thing. Either, and you got to think, you know, either that lends some validity to it or he was so, uh, (laughs) I'm not going to pin anything on anybody. I'm not going to be disrespectful to the dead, especially somebody whose credentials were as high as his. But you just, like I said, common sense, man. You you, got to put it on the table. Either he was so sure about his method, his gear, right, how he got these, or this was the real deal and he wanted people to come in and check it out for themselves. Can we prove either way? No. Like I said, I don't want to be disrespectful, but I don't want to be unrealistic either. He believed that the clarity of the voices heard in his recordings implied that they could not be readily explained by normal means. Rodev published his first book, Breakthrough, An Amazing Experiment in Electronic Communication with the Dead. Wow, that's a title. In 1968. And uh, translated to English, released here in 1971. It gets a... There's been some technological progress with this. It's been pretty wild. It's kind of its own little rabbit hole. In 1980, William O'Neill constructed an electronic audio device called the Spiricom. O'Neill claimed the device was built to specifications which he received psychically from George Mueller, a scientist who had died six years previously. At a Washington, D.C. press conference on April 6, 1982... O'Neill stated that he was able to hold two-way conversations with spirits through the Spiritcom. And he provided the design specifications to researchers for free. Pretty ballsy. However, nobody is known to have replicated the results O'Neill claimed using his own Spiritcom devices. That's odd. O'Neill's partner, retired industrialist George Meek, attributed O'Neill's success and the inability of others to replicate it to O'Neill's mediumistic abilities forming part of the loop that made the system work. Oh, come on. I know that we've proven on this podcast that mediums, psychic ability, is a thing. But are you actually suggesting that the only reason that everybody else's devices didn't work is because the device itself had to be imbued with some kind of medium magic? Ridiculous. That's ridiculous. But we'll keep going. 
In 2020, Kenny Biddle wrote a comprehensive article explaining the origins of the spirit com as developed by O'Neill and Meek. He was prompted to do so by re-emergence of the device on the TV series Ghost Hunters. He comprehensively debunked the science behind the device in both the original development and the Ghost Hunters episode. Another EVP device, specifically constructed in an attempt to capture EVPs, is called Frank's Box, or the Ghost Box, created in 2002 by EVP enthusiast Frank Subtian. Subtian? 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 Oh, boy. <clears throat> Sorry. For, uh, you know, supposed real-time communication with the dead. He says he received the design instructions from the spirit world itself. The device is described as a combination white noise generator and AM radio receiver modified to sweep back and forth. What, you've seen these, you know, through the AM band. Why AM? I don't know. Probably because there's more dead air than FM, probably. Selecting split-second snippets of sound whenever it picks one up. You guys have seen these, like on YouTube and stuff. It'll do these sweeps through the entire AM frequency, you know. It's really fast. Indiscernible. And then sometimes it'll stop and you'll hear voices. Now, critics of the device say its effect is subjective and incapable of being replicated since it relies on radio noise. Any meaningful response a user gets is purely coincidental. Simply the result, I said, of pareidolia. Possibly. Paranormal researcher Ben Radford, I almost said Ren Badford, almost had a dyslexic moment there, writes that Frank's box is a modern version of the Ouija board, also known as the broken radio. 21st century, 20th century, man, EVPs got big. They became a thing. It was originally called Indust eh, Instrumental Transcommunication. That's what they called it back in the 70s. ITC. I like EVP better. It's got more of a ring to it. But it referred more generally to communication through any sort of electronic device like tape recorders, fax machines, TV sets, computers, between, you know, spirits, other discarnate entities, and the living. One famous claimed incidence of ITC occurred when the image of uh, enthusiast Friedrich Jurgensen, whose funeral was that day, was said to have appeared on a television in the home of a colleague, which had been previously tuned to a vacant channel. ITC enthusiasts also look at the TV and video camera feedback loop of the Drust effect, which maybe we'll get into on another episode. There's just been so many examples of this. 1979, parapsychologist D. Scott Rogo described an alleged paranormal phenomenon in which people report that they receive simple, brief, single-occurrence telephone calls. Yes, that's a thing. From spirits of deceased relatives, friends, or strangers. Rosemary Gilly has written, Within the parapsychology establishment, Rogo was often uh, faulted for poor scholarship, led to erroneous conclusions. But that doesn't stop the stories of people saying, Oh, I found out that my husband or uncle or whoever was involved in, and I'm using a real-life example here, was involved in a, a train derail, derailment. I got a call from him that day. But then when I looked at the time I got the call, it was like way after this had happened, long after he was dead. But maybe we could explain that. But I'll save that to the end. Let's keep going. This keeps going. 97, 2005, 1995. 
Some EVP enthusiasts describe hearing the words in EVP as an ability, much like learning a new language. Oh, okay. <laughs> this bothers me again. It seems like there's so much stretching that has to be done to make this thing valid. Have you noticed that? <clears throat> Clear your head of anything. Clear your head of any preconceived prejudices, what you believe, what you don't believe. Let's look at shit for how it is. What have I seen since day one? <clears throat> oh, we have a custom box. Oh, okay. Can I see the schematics? Yeah, sure, no problem. Hey, I built it. My schematic doesn't work. Oh, it's because I put my medium ability into it. You can't really do that. Oh, I'm doing EVPs today? Okay, what you got there? Oh, a custom thing that I made that sweeps radio frequencies. Oh, okay, okay. How does it work? I don't know. Right? How come, I, how come everybody can hear these EVPs, man, but I can't? Oh, it's, it's like a, yeah, it's an ability you have to learn, actually. This is not looking well, EVP. Skeptics suggest that he claimed instances may be misinterpretations of natural phenomena, including, you know, like an inadvertent influence of the electronic equipment itself by researchers. Deliberate influencing, which I guarantee that happens. Even in any legitimate phenomenon, there's always a guy that's wanting to hoax. I don't know why that's a thing. Hoaxing bugs me because <laughs> you're never going to get credit for it, really. <laughs> You know, if I'm going to try so hard to yeah, just get anything done, I want some damn credit. I, you know, I, I never understood the hoaxer thing. I don't want to make a fake UFO and uh, make it really convincing and awesome and then unleash it onto the world just to see people's reactions. Maybe as a, uh, a study of how human beings, maybe that's the only way I can stretch my mind to think, why would I do something like that? But... I don't know. It might be. It, it's just me. I know everybody's different. Everybody has their kicks, but I just got better shit to do. Like examining them. <laughs> right? Like making a podcast about them. Paranormal claims for the origin of EVP include living humans imprinting thoughts directly on electronic medium through psychokinesis. Now that seems interesting to me. That kind of makes a little bit more sense, actually. Didn't consider that. Let me repeat that. Origins of EVP could be living humans imprinting thoughts on an electronic medium through psychokinesis, which I, is interesting, but I kind of argue, then why aren't we doing that all the time, right? <laughs> if we have the ability to imprint thoughts and words onto electronic medium, why does it only happen when we're ghost hunting? Hmm? That's a mystery. Nature energies, beings from other dimensions... And of course, aliens. Paranormal explanations for EVP generally assume production of EVP by a communicating intelligence through means other than typical functioning of communication technologies. Natural explanations for reported instances of EVP, they tend to dispute this assumption explicitly and provide explanations which do not require novel mechanisms that are not based on recognized scientific phenomena. One study was done... Um, I mean, not just one. I mean, there were a ton that were unable to replicate paranormal origins for EVP under controlled conditions. It never happens under controlled conditions. A case can be made for the idea that many EVPs are artifacts for the recording process itself in which the operators are unfamiliar. 
The majority of EVPs have alternative, non-spiritual sources, anomalous ones, no clear proof there is spiritual origin. That's a bold statement. So a lot of people are saying, hey, there is no basis for spiritual anything here. EVPs should be considered DOA. That's a bold statement. I don't want to go as far as to making a statement like that without really analyzing it. That's maybe what these people did. I don't know. We're going to do that. Let's see if we can draw the same conclusion. Or if this is legit. I'm not going to cut here, guys. I'm not. You can hear the AC going. You know? <laughs> There's multiple people in the house. I wanted to start a podcast. I'm not going to tell everybody to shut up and turn the AC off. I'm not going to sit here and bake. You know what I mean? So if you hear AC, I'm sorry. <laughs> but uh, I'll try to mix the AC out. How about we make a deal, huh? You hear a slight AC sound. And I don't burn to death in this room. <laughs> mm. I'd have a sweet coffee there. So, let's dig into it, yay? Oh, I want to talk about an interesting one that I found, though. For all radio transmissions above 30 megahertz, I don't know if you knew this, these aren't, reflect these aren't reflected in the ionosphere, by the way, like normal ones. There's a possibility of media reflection of the radio signal. Yeah. That's been studied. Meteors, believe it or not, leave a trail of ionized particles and electrons as they pass through the upper, upper atmosphere. It's called ablation. It reflects transmission radio waves, which would usually flow right into space. These reflected waves are from transmitters, which are below the horizon of the received meteor reflection. In Europe, this means the brief scattered wave may carry a foreign voice which can interfere with radio receivers. And yes, this happens. Media-reflected radio waves last between half a second up to 10, depending on the size of the meteoroid. Yes, that's a thing. There's a lot of um, organizations that show interest in EVP. The U.S. has studied it. An investigation by Associate Professor of Sociology, Mark Eaton, on the demography right of U.S. paranormal groups that use EVP phenomena, found an overpresentation of white participants. Oh, who gives a shit? Don't make this a don't make this a race thing. <clears throat> Demographics have nothing to do with this. That is ridiculous. And you got funding for that? Okay, uh, that. Uh... Some of these studies, man, you're like, okay, how did they even get money to study this? <laughs> I want to see the correlation between white and black people and EVPs. Uh, uh, why? <laughs> Just it's almost like uh, I'm like again, I'm not imprinting anything on anybody, but that uh, that seems like almost the last call for the ultra racist, right? Guy can prove why white and black people are not equal. That's stupid. That that should have nothing to do with this. We're stupid. Bringing race into anything is stupid. Anything. <clears throat> this, this, the world, uh, there's just no place for it anymore. Ridiculous. I can't believe, I'm sorry I even looked at that part on my notes. I shouldn't even have been mentioned. I should have crossed that out with some white out and then some black ink. Fuck you, whoever did that study. It's ridiculous. William Peter Blady. You know William Peter Blady. I always say his name wrong. He wrote The Exorcist, you know? He's very interested in this thing. Of course, he's a writer. He's uh, written novels about it. It's been all over popular culture. You guys have seen the shows. You've seen the YouTube channels. You've seen it all, boy. So what I did was to... Let me lean back in my chair. You might hear a mic pop. 
<clears throat> so I can get away from my screen and just relax and talk to you, huh? I really studied this thing, man. I wanted to listen to the clearest EVPs that we've ever recorded. I wanted to hear the clearest ones. I wanted to hear the average EVP. And I wanted to hear the crappy ones. <clears throat> I wanted to hear the entire spectrum. And I got to tell you, I mean, I really dug into this thing. I got to tell you, even the clearest EVPs that we have kind of suck. Now, I don't want it to sound like how I'm sounding here. I'm sure not every, you know, dead person gets to take a condenser microphone with them to the afterlife and the newest in audio interfaces. But these suck. And I started kind of developing a picture with EVPs. Something kind of started bothering me. As I said, I'm no electrician. I'm not. But I am an audio engineer. I've been doing this for a long time. Ever since I was a kid. I have been doing this for a long time. I had a family member that worked in recording studios. Used to tag me along. And instead of sitting there playing with my fingers and being a jackass... Or just any other average kid, you know, playing with my fraggle stick car and picking my butt. I would watch what the uh, audio engineer was doing. I liked that big board with all the knobs on it. So I'd watch them. I'd see how they fixed certain things, how they did stuff. One day, I go in there. I hear the audio engineer make a mistake. So me being a little kid, I go over there. I was about, um, how old was I? I'd say eight, eight or nine. I go in there, I fix it. Family member, I'm not going to tell you who it was. Family member, just out of privacy, says, uh, hey man, don't touch stuff. Come on, I told you not to touch anything. I know you're interested in this stuff, that's cool. Well, you know, kids, I always was. When all the other kids were talking about the new He-Man and Ninja Turtles episode, I was messing with audio gear. That's just how it was. Did I watch Ninja Turtles? Bitch your ass. Did I have Skeletor's sword at home? You know, the light-up one? You bitch your ass, boy. But... Like I said, I always had better things to do. That's just how I'm wired. And the uh, studio engineer was... That's a garbage truck outside. I hope you don't hear that. Fucking garbage truck. So uh, the studio engineer was quite impressed with what I did. He's like, holy crap, this kid, this kid fixed my mistake. And uh, my family member was like, really? And he goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He just fixed what would have taken me an hour to figure out. He, he found it. There was a frequency in one of the drum mics that was... Um, it was uh, how you mic a snare drum is you have a microphone on top, microphone on bottom, one to catch a snap, one to catch the buzz. You dig? And I guess these mics were—I don't even remember this—but mics were out of phase or they weren't—they uh, <clears throat> weren't picking up properly. So a couple knobs have fucking fixed it. So he had me come back again and again and again and again. I learned this stuff. I've mixed multiple albums for bands, many of mine. I run the pod, I run podcasts, you know. This ain't the only one I got, boy. <clears throat> so I don't work at one on one studios. I didn't I didn't work on the black album, but I know my shit. And I've seen a lot of weird things happen in the studio, one of which we're gonna talk about on this show, actually. The loot. Now I'm not gonna talk about the haunted loot just yet. I want you to know. <laughs> it's one of those more personal kind of stories. You guys don't seem to listen to those more because you want to, you know, we want to talk about the, the 
other places, the famous ones, the personal stories, people are like, ah, oh, okay, that's cute. Whatever. They're interesting, but people are like, nah, I want to hear about EVPs more. I want to hear about Roswell instead. <laughs> so we might wait a few episodes to tell you about the loot. <clears throat> yes, L-U-T-E, the loot, like medieval, you know, pre-guitar loot. I'm getting off track here. But I've heard some weird stuff in the studio. Not just because of said loot, but I've heard weird shit. You go to record something, and it's just warbled mess. And you play it back, oh shit, what happened? And then you have the guitar player or you know drummer, vocalist, whatever, say, okay man, something went weird. Re-record this on me. I won't charge you for it since my equipment doesn't want to work. They get done. And then you're like, something, ah, that's weird. And then you go back and listen to the first recording they did. Sounds fine. I've heard whispers in vocal tracks before. And we're talking about an isolated soundproof booth. I've heard whispers in the background. Very audible ones. I heard a scream one time. Not shitting you. I also heard this. I wish I had the recording of it. But during a vocal track one time, this is about 2005, 2006, and I am talking about a soundproof booth here. Guy's doing a vocal track. You know who I hear in between his phrases? Howard Stern. Yeah. I said, ooh. Either Howard Stern just died and decided to see me instead of going on his adventure in the afterlife. Or this microphone is picking up some radio frequencies. Which microphones do? It's called RF interference. Has a lot to do with the shielding in your cables, actually. Why I don't recommend using cheap-ass cables. You don't have to go broke buying audio cables, but get some with some de decent damn shielding. I've heard guitars mix into drum tracks and the guitar wasn't even there. Wasn't even on. But the shielding sucked. Now, I'm not saying that I haven't seen anything in studios that I would consider paranormal. Did I tell you about the loot? We'll get to that. Sometime. But I've heard weird artifacts and recordings, man. But I know, based on my... Ex Whoa, my chair creaked. I know, based on my experience, that electronics... It doesn't matter if it's a microwave. It doesn't matter if it's a radio. It doesn't matter if, you, if it's your damn Alexa. If it is... If it has electric current running through it, if it's plugged into the wall, it's an ear. That's what we say, audio engineers. That's how we see it. Everything electronic is an ear. So what kind of ear is it? What does it listen to? What speaks to it? Well, electronics are an ear to other electronics because other electronics are the only things that they speak to each other. Yeah, despite what you think, anything electronic in your house is talking to each other. Talking to your microwave, your Xbox, your battery-powered... <laughs> I'm not going to go there. <laughs> Just an example. All your electronics are talking to each other. In a sense, they pick up interference from one another. Like I said, it has a lot to do with shielding. Soldering has a lot to do with it, how this thing is built. The thing that has the biggest ear out of anything aside from a microphone is a radio. Radios have big ears, man. Big enough ears to where we use the same technology to hear, watch, and listen to things all the way 
across the cosmos. Radios have big ears. The radio. What bugs me about EVPs? Let's look at the box first, okay? And like I said, on this podcast, we just use the common sense, man. We just look at things for how they are. No preconceived shit, no prejudices. The common sense is so rarely used in paranormal study these days. It's just people don't do it. And we got to get back to that. People want to believe so bad. And trust me, I do too. I want to believe in EVPs. I mean, we all do. But man, we got to use our heads here. And nobody's doing it. It seems like nobody's doing it. Nobody layman, anyway. You see professors and scientists do it and all that stuff. But even there, you, you, you can't look at their results without thinking that it's skewed, right? Because Neil deGrasse Tyson, a UFO, can land on his front lawn. An alien could come out, slap him on the ass, give him a bologna sandwich, and talk, talk to him for an hour about the newest Metallica album. And Neil deGrasse Tyson would find some way to say it's bullshit. Because he's a scientist. That's, that's just what they do. <laughs> some of them. <clears throat> Most of them. So even the way scientists think are skewed. I, I don't take what they say 100%. I take everything they say with a grain of salt, too. I'm talking about the layman. You and me, kids. Just normal people. The spirit box. It works by scanning AM frequencies. And then, you know, you've seen them on YouTube. I don't have to describe them. And then occasionally something will stop and you'll hear a word or a phrase or whatever. I have a big problem with this. First of all, we don't know exactly how these boxes work. Either they're made for us or somebody makes them or you make them yourself and they just kind of work. That's not good enough for me. <clears throat> and you're scanning AM frequencies. We're talking like thousands of little soundbite signals all in it with seconds from each other. And occasionally you'll hear uh, an EVP. Oh, sorry, that uh, that just that falls short for me. That that doesn't explain squat. Like I said, radio is a giant ear. It's listening to everything. It's picking up. It's picking up your damn microwave. It's picking up your microwave. <laughs> and you expect me to believe that EVPs just come through, sweeping AM frequencies and stopping every once in a while when it hears something? That's not good enough for me, man. It's not. I'm even leaning towards debunked here because I know how this stuff works. I'm sorry, but your spirit box isn't good enough. That doesn't convince me. In fact, <clears throat> I'm going to say the spirit box is debunked. Even if it works, man. Even if it works. Even if it's an ear that can hear the spirit world. Even if it can pick up stuff. <sighs> You're sweeping AM frequencies. There's no way in hell I'm ever going to believe that your device works. There's no way. And then you have the traditional method of EVP, the portable recorder. I've worked in controlled recording studios, the most controlled conditions you can possibly have, and I've still picked up stuff. Could EVP be a thing? Could spirits talk on electronic devices and all that? Well, if you say that it is, shouldn't all of our recordings <laughs> have some kind of EVP in them? 
right? Why do EVPs only occur when people are trying to record them? Why? You've got to think about that. How many audio recordings have human, made, human beings made throughout history? Me, just myself, how many have I contributed to the human race? At least 100 controlled studio recordings. Not to mention all the recordings on my phone and just screwing around and sending voice messages. I mean everything. Every time a human being has hit record on something that does audio. And every time that we've heard EVPs is only when we're looking for them. Something's wrong here. Something's dead wrong here. EVPs, guys, I'm sorry. Unless I miss something huge, unless I missed out on some crucial piece of evidence, and you're welcome to message me or um, you know, through your podcast listening thing of choice or email me or what have you, unless there's some crucial thing that I missed, I consider EVPs completely debunked. And this is not just based on experience here. If you're saying that there is a legitimate paranormal phenomenon, but it only happens when you're looking for it, that tells me you wanted it to happen. And either you manifested it, which that's not paranormal. If you have a successful mindset, you're going to be a success. Not every time. But that has a lot to do with it. Does your charisma and confidence automatically make you a successful person? No. But not everybody who searches for EVPs to you know record, records them, do they? But a lot of them do. A lot of them do. But do people who are not interested in EVPs whatsoever, who aren't even thinking that, just trying to record a damn bass solo, <laughs> are they thinking about EVPs? Do they record them? Nope. Never. Do people accidentally take photos of ghosts while they're taking pictures for Life magazine in an abandoned castle? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. As someone just cruising by the elementary, the elementary, yeah, even in elementary school, I've seen one of those too. But what I meant was, as anybody cruising by uh, <clears throat> a cemetery, sees a pretty tree in the background, ooh, I'll snap a picture of that and accidentally catch a ghost, you bet your ass. Yes. What does that tell me? That tells me a natural phenomenon, something natural is occurring because people are accidentally capturing it. EVPs are not accidentally captured. They are purposefully captured. But in every other instance... They're not captured at all. You have to be looking for them. What does that tell me? That tells me that people are either manifesting this thing, and I'm not saying spiritually manifesting stuff or creating words out of the ether. I'm saying they want so bad for this EVP to be a thing or so bad to talk to Grandma or Uncle Jim or Abraham Lincoln or Jackie Chan. He's still alive. Bruce Lee, I meant. Sorry, Jackie. <laughs> I hope you live to be a... Fucking 200 years old, Jackie Chan. You are a world treasure, sir. That was a stupid thing to say. Why does it only happen when we're looking for them? And any other time you're recording stuff, it doesn't happen. Now, there are people that say, oh, I recorded an EVP and I was just doing this or I was just doing that. Look at that in terms of how many people have accidentally caught CCTV footage of a ghost or a UFO. Accidentally, not purposefully. It's outweighed. The scale is tipped so far, it's going to break. <laughs> EVPs do not happen when you're not looking for them. 
Now, people will argue with you otherwise. Dude, I totally got an EVP on this, 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 this. You know, There's an example right here and go to this YouTube channel and all that stuff. You know what I hear? You know what I hear? A garbled fucking mess. That sounds to me like a guy who has been working in audio ever since he was a kid who's almost 40 now. That sounds to this guy like radio interference. It sounds like radio interference. And even the clearest EVPs that I've heard, I really got to strain my ears to listen to this. And it doesn't help that all the EVPs come with subtitles because that fucks with your head. You can't help but look at the subtitles. I have to physically put a piece of tape on the screen so I don't look at it. And then I say, okay, if this was a word, what would it be? When I rip the tape off, 99.9% of the time, it's completely different (laughs) what this person says, the EVP said. There's not enough here. And I don't think it merits further study at all. I'm sorry, guys, but I am completely debunking this one. I think EVPs are bullshit. But I'm open. I'm an open-minded guy. If I missed out on some crucial detail, if I missed out on something, let me know. We'll do a part two to this. We'll examine some more evidence. I'm just saying, man, at the end of it, if you want a soundbite from me, Watch there be an EVP in this podcast. Now, then <laughs> that'd be hilarious if I accidentally catch an EVP here. <laughs> and I'll have to make a part two. Well, guys, I think I believe in it now. No, it's going to take something pretty miraculous for me to believe it. Because, like I said, I've heard Howard Stern in a soundproof booth. <laughs> it's, is it always radio interference? No. But... The spirit boxes, I think, are completely debunked because they rely so heavily on, heavy, heavily on radio frequencies. Uh, no. I have a lot of experience in this area. been doing this a long time. I did hear Howard Stern, you know, 500 miles away from where Howard Stern was. If he was even live that day, could have been a pre-recorded thing. And as far as we know, Howard Stern is still alive. At least he was still alive back in, you know, 2012 when this happened. Right? <laughs> His brain was functioning. Well, maybe. (laughs) No, I like Howard Stern. I'm not going to bash him. Howard Stern is the reason why, uh, one of the reasons why I got into spoken word and radio stuff anyway. But I just, uh, I don't even say this merits merits further study. Every time I look at EVPs, I have an explanation. There's just something, it doesn't mean I have an explanation. That's a bad choice of words. There's something that jumps out at me that is so much more obvious. And then you got to look at the fact that we only hear EVPs when we're looking for them. And the ones that happen, quote-unquote, accidentally, they suck. It's it's barely discernible. And if you didn't have subtitles, you wouldn't know what the hell it was. You might not even have heard it. I don't know, man. I'm debunking this one. I, I am. I'm debunking this one. I think EVPs are not a thing at all. But, you know, I got an open mind. So let me know if you think otherwise. And thank you for listening to Strange Places this week. Make sure to go on Asylum817.com. That's Asylum817.com for all things Strange Places related. All the social mead links are there. As well as the links to get to our Patreon account where you can get free access to early episodes, uh, giveaways at certain tiers, free art, radio ads, all kinds of stuff, man. There's something in there for everybody. Little as a dollar a month, you'd be majorly helping the show out. Check it out. If you want to do that little bit extra. Speaking of the patrons who do help out, the Kunkel Homestead YouTube channel, Donald Haynes, David Peterson, 
I really appreciate all you guys. Thank you. You you you're the reason why the show even exists. Why it keeps going every week. I appreciate you. And to the rest of you, thanks for listening. We will see you next time, okay? Are we ever going to run out of strange places to talk about or strange things to talk about? <laughs> I don't think so. Because every town has a strange place, and maybe one day we'll visit yours. Strange Places podcast is brought to you by DistroKid. DistroKid is a music label for truly independent artists. They will distribute and share your music on every streaming platform the internet has to offer. And the best part is that you keep all of your royalties. In fact, DistroKid has made history, marking the first time that an artist on the charts made 100% of their earnings. This is the music industry's worst nightmare, giving indie artists complete control over their art. For only 20 bucks a year, you can upload unlimited music, and with the split feature, you can split a percentage of the earnings to your bandmates. If you click the affiliate link in this episode's description, you get 7% off the first year. But did I mention that after that, it's only 20 bucks a freaking year? I've been a musician for a long time. My music is heard all over the world, and yours should be too. Click the link in this episode's description to not only support Strange Places, but put control of your own music back into your hands. No contracts, no hidden clauses, no lovely coin men and their lovely, lovely suits. Thanks to DistroKid for being a sponsor and giving this old dog an audience.